This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Some people believe that it can be lonely to be a marketer in Silicon Valley, the land of product and technology and data and innovation. In that world, marketing can fall by the wayside or be seen as an afterthought. But for Mike Marcellin, the CMO of Juniper Networks, Silicon Valley is a great place to be a marketer. And it's somewhere where you can combine data and analytics to build a marketing strategy. He explains all of that and more on this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we are in Juniper HQ in sunny, sunny Vale. Uh, here, Mike, what's going on? Uh, not too much, Ian. Good to see you. Yeah, good to uh, have you on the show. We are super excited to get into your background. We're going to talk some creative leadership, what you're doing at Juniper Networks. And first, we're going to get into your background in marketing. How did you get started in marketing in the first place? Yeah, you know, I've been in a variety of different roles throughout my career. Um, The common thread has been marketing, but I've done, you know, product management and product development, I've managed software development, I've managed uh, strategy teams, but all throughout, I've kind of always been focused on the customer. And um, I think there's no better place to be if you're focused on the customer than, than within marketing. So variety of different roles um, uh, on, in a number of different companies and, and landed here at Juniper uh, leading the marketing organization. Yeah. So flash forward to today. Uh, what's it like being the CMO of Juniper? You know, it's good. Um, I mean, there's so much transformation in our industry. And for me, um, as a marketer that's looking for, you know, to, to tell stories and to help lead a company, um, you know, to that next big thing, uh, it's actually an exciting place to be. Um, I think for some, it might be daunting because so much changes so rapidly. But again, for me, that's that's pretty invigorating. And, you know, we've been able to build, I think, some uh, really cool things here to help propel the company in, in its transformation journey. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into some of that today. Yeah. You know, we, uh, I should say to our audience, I've already interviewed, uh, Bob as the CIO and we talked a lot about digital transformation and it's amazing for a company that is spearheading, you know, digital transformation for your customers that you've also went through one of those yourselves. Um, and I'm sure that a bunch of that was on the marketing org as well. Yeah. Um, what, what did that look like? Well, yeah. So, so, so Bob is one of our lead voices externally, cause we can kind of tell our customers, Hey, you know, talk to him. He's been, he's got the battle scars. He's no, he knows what it's really like to go through that. Um, and, uh, and so from a marketing perspective, I mean, I took over as a CMO about four and a half years ago and, um, you know, had a couple I'd say big bets that I made. Um, one was around data science. Um, so I built a team of data scientists. And, and the reason for that is exactly what you said. With marketing being more and more digital, we now have access to so much more information about our customers and our prospects, what they're doing, um, what they're interested in, who they're talking to. Um, but we have access to it. But if we don't know how to learn how to harness that, then it's not an advantage. So I really wanted to invest in that to make sure that we had, you know, not just the data, but, but the ability to make sense of that data. So that was one of the, one of the things that we did. And the other thing right alongside that was making sure that we had a state of the art marketing technology stack, Um, you know, because how we engage with our customers is really becoming a differentiator in a very competitive environment. 
So those two sets of investments really helped, you know, make sure that we were on the leading edge of digital marketing, um, getting the insights back from our customers and prospects that we were nurturing and then feeding that back in to make us more effective in what we're trying to do. I'm sure you have a bunch of very jealous marketers listening to you talk about having a data science team, um, but I'm sure that that came at a cost as well. I mean, you had to, you know, it's not like you could make an investment like that without, you know, cutting other stuff, I'm sure. Correct. So um, basically, you know, when I started a CMO, I went and and the first thing I actually had a, had a meeting with uh, our CEO and the rest of the executive staff. And, you know, one of those, you've been in the job for 90 days. What have you learned? And, and what is your, what is your marketing strategy going forward? Um, and so, you know, I took them through a bunch of different data. I took them through our level of investment as a company relative to our peers. And then I had a slide that says, you know, I bet you expect right now for me to make the ask for more money. And I said, I'm not going to ask for more investment in marketing at this time, because I don't feel like we as an organization have a good enough handle on what's paying back. What, what, what is the ROI of the things that we're doing? So I think that earned me a little bit of credibility because normally you're going to have the marketing person coming and saying, oh, it's time to go big and, you know, give me another $20 million. And I, and I explicitly didn't do that, um, part, partially to make the point that I'm going to invest in data and analytics so that six months, 12 months from then, I would come back and say, look, here's what we've been doing. Here's what's working and here's what's not. Um, and now I'm in a position to be able to say to you, you know, if you give me you know, this much more, I'll be able to, you know, kind of guarantee that return or at least feel confident that the return on investment will be there. And so that, that started the journey of, of doing that. And, you know, through that time, we've gotten much more, um, I mean, the, the tagline on any marketing strategy I put forth is we're measuring the impact of investment on everything that we do. I mean, we play in a land of much larger competitors. Yeah. Um, I will never outspend some of my competitors. So I have to be smarter. I have to know, you know, be hyper-targeted and know that I'm investing dollars and that's going to pay back. Um, and I have to make our customers feel like they're being surrounded because of how targeted we're being, even though, you know, we're not, we're not necessarily spending as much as some of, some of the others that we compete against. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like there are times there where you're, you know, running campaigns or seeing creative things that you really want to do. And you just say like, Hey, how are we going to measure this? And the team comes back and says, they don't know. And you're like, we got, we can't do it. Um, well, so, so maybe not quite per se, but I will, I will say there've been a few interesting lessons. You know, like I said, my background is a, a broad business background and strategy teams and product management teams. So, you know, thinking about relating everything that we do in marketing to the business, which sounds logical, like, of course, but I, I will tell you that at least what I found early on is that some people will, you know, who've come up in the marketing craft will do marketing for marketing's sake. Totally. Um, and look, I, I, I'm a huge fan of marketing. I have a lot of passion for it, but at the end of the day, if you can't relate what you're doing to an impact on the business, then, you know, you have a hard time justifying doing it. And, and you have a hard time having a conversation with your CEO or your head of sales or your CFO about why, you know, the, the marketing investments are, are paying off. Um, so I definitely have to get everyone's mindset around everything we do has to relate to the business. Now, how you do that varies depending on what you're doing. Certainly if you're generating leads that you're handing off to sales and they're then working those leads and that either closes or it doesn't, that's a pretty direct linkage. That's the easy part. Yeah. You, know, you can easily relate that to the business, but how do you relate other things that you do? It's not necessarily pure dollars and cents. Um, but you have to have some measure because if you don't have a measure, then how do you know if you even are successful at the end of it? Yeah. What it, and I guess taking a step back, um, 
who all are you selling to? What's kind of the the landscape of uh, what what Juniper does and what type of personas you're looking at? Yeah, so um, you know Juniper has had its own journey as a company. Uh, you know, early days of the company. The company is about 20 years old um, and really got going during the you know as the World Wide Web was was really exploding. Um, so a few years before the dot-com bust was the dot-com boom. And Juniper was right in the thick of that. And so consequently, the customers that it, that Juniper initially served were ISPs, big telcos, you know, because they were helping them scale the internet. Um, and so that created a certain kind of a sales and marketing motion when you have a handful of very large companies that are very technical themselves. That's one kind of marketing motion. And those companies remain very important customers for us. But as we've grown up as a company, we've significantly broadened the, the set of customers that we go after. So basically, it's every business customer you can think of, except for maybe the smallest mom and pop who yeah. really just needs to plug a, a cable modem into the wall, and that's their connectivity. But any any company of any size, let's just say 100 employees and up, um, you know, we work with them in some fashion. Um, and and you know, for the smaller companies, the buyer may be a hybrid role of someone who is the COO and the office manager and the network manager and the IT guy. And yeah. the, you know, it's everything for the smaller companies. And then as you certainly as you scale up into larger enterprises, then you've got a division of roles. So typically it's the IT organization. Sometimes it is, you know, the, the product um, teams because they're trying to figure out how technology can enable them to do what they want to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in fact, to that point, I mean, the, the sets of buyers that we and influencers that we work with has expanded over time, you know, as um, applications and the network and IT in general have become more business critical to most companies than they were 15, 20 years ago. You know, that means that everyone in the company cares about the stuff that we do, at least to some extent. What are some of the campaigns that you've worked on in the past couple of years that you were really proud of or were super fun and and, and also drove business value? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the thing I talked about, you know, four or five years ago, investing in data science and MarTech and all this, um, that was actually a little bit ahead of the company's realization that we have to really um, broaden our, our customer set. Mm -hmm. So I was pleased that we were in a position, we kind of were ahead of that curve. We're able to build this machine and then go to the company and show how that can actually help bring the company to new places and recognize more growth. If it had been the other way around, the company said, Hey, we need to expand to these places, marketing, what are you doing? I would have been scrambling, yeah. you know, to try to create it. So I was glad I was out in front of it. And, you know, we felt the company go into, um, you know, broaden into the burgeoning like data center and cloud market. Um, we've done fun stuff like data center rap battles. Um, <laughs> no kidding. We've also done stuff that's just hardcore. Here's our value prop. Here's why you should work with us. And, you know, I think it's a mix of some of those things that are going to cut through the clutter and be fun, but also some things that are kind of hardworking demand gen that have allowed us. I mean, we basically doubled our the pipeline that we created for the company in 2019, not quite done yet. It's, uh, we're sitting here in December, but we, we've, um, you know, basically doubled it from 2018. And next year I expect maybe not a doubling, but a significant increase again. And that's just because of the the machine that we've built and the company's, you know, willingness and, and ability to kind of accept the leads that we're creating and, and really make the most of them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty fascinating kind of case study to think about, how often, you know, you, 
it would be easy to say, well, we're going to take an experiential, experiential mindset. We're going to run a bunch of experiments in year one of BNC CMO, see what we got. But just if you don't have the team in place that can actually capture the value from those experience right. and then take, you know, take action, you're just kind of shooting blind. And I think, you know, for, for some of the folks waiting that year and building is potentially something just too hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you, you come in and, you know, there, there, there's a change for a reason and they're expecting you to deliver on some things. So it's not as if I could just say, okay, I'll see you guys in a year. Let me go back into the back office and build stuff. So you're definitely kind of flying the plane as well as you're doing some new things. Um, but I just felt like those were important enough investments early on to make because they, if we didn't do it, it was going to hinder our, our ability uh, down the road to, to show value. The other thing I'll, I'll mention though, is, you know, when I took over the company had been through a rough patch too, back in 2014, um, fr- frankly, I mean, we had activist investors in the stock. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was a, a, a challenging time for the company. So when I took over, um, you know, the company had, had been through that and was starting to come out on the other side of that. But consequently, my attrition rate within the organization was sky high. Um, the company's was, was higher than it should be, but mine was even higher than the company's. So part of what I needed to do is figure out, all right, what kind of organization do we want to be? And how do we make this a destination address for marketing with at least within Silicon Valley. Yeah, totally. Okay, if you want to do great marketing, you come to Juniper. And part of that is state-of-the-art tools, thinking about things, you know, in a data-driven way, um, but also setting ourselves up so that we could experiment, we could rapidly iterate and we could do agile marketing, but really do it and really learn from it and really iterate. And so, you know, I think those investments paid off. I mean, if, if the attrition rate now is any indication, I mean, we've now, you know, we're now in a very good place um, and we've got, you know, a very talented marketing organization because of it. I'm really curious because it was one of the things that Bob talked about too, was kind of this idea of like that corporate culture side of things, you know, and, and we can talk about creative leadership, but it's the ultimate crawl, walk, run piece where you have to assemble, you know, a team of talented people before you can start doing some of these fun, creative campaigns. And if marketers are not going to have, you know, enough rope to do fun, creative things, um, which is ultimately what your customers and prospects want too. Like they want creative marketing as well. Um, and, uh, you're just not going to be able to kind of engage them in a way it's like, oh, well you can come here and do super boring stuff for (laughs) for the next year. Uh, it's just not going to be a successful strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, so, so you're right that, that the market and your customers want creative fun things. And they also, you know, certainly the business wants creative fun things that work for the business. And so that's, I mean, to me, if I'm going to summarize marketing, it's, it's, it's a, the best blend of kind of left brain and right brain or, or the creative and the analytical certainly become more analytical over time. Um, and so being able to find people that love to flex that creativity, but also can then say, all right, but ultimately how has this moved the needle for the business? Like that's, that's the, that's the unicorn marketer that we're all looking for. And one of the things that you all have done is, uh, been a global sponsor of the world robot Olympiad. WRO. I have not heard of this. So this is new to me. Um, It sounds really sweet. But so tell me why why you wanted to be involved in this. Well, certainly from a company perspective, I mean, it's really important. I mean, we we all work really hard and everyone does their thing, but it's also really important to have a purpose as a company. And one of the big guiding principles for Juniper um, is around investing in STEM education and, Mm -hmm. and basically uh, fostering the next generation of engineers. You know, we take pride in our engineering heritage and, and in the innovations we bring to the world today, 
So being able to invest in that next generation is really important. And so, yeah, WRO is a great organization. They um, serve kids, I think, from ages six up to, I think, early college age, um, about 70 countries around the world. And basically they use robotics. I mean, robotics is the competition, um, but it's but it's really about learning and, and camaraderie and collaboration um, and, and, and certainly advancing, you know, STEM skills, um, you know, in, in many countries. I mean, we kind of take it for granted here in the U.S., but there are a lot of a lot of countries where, you know, access to an organization like that really is a significant uptick from what they're getting in public in the public schools, wherever they are. Um, and so it's been really rewarding to be a part of that. Um, we're their global technology sponsor, but really it's about, you know, fostering the purpose that we have to, to invest in the next generation. Yeah. And it seems like you really, you know, focus on company values with marketing. It seems like, you know, those two things are, are aligned. Um, and it just seems like that's, um, you know, a smart way of going about things. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something that is personally how I operate anyway, yeah. but, but back to my point about, oh, and by the way, it's good business because we certainly know that you know, people have more affinity for a company and will, you know, if you want to say work harder or work more passionately for a company, if they think the company is doing things that are benefiting the world or benefiting things that they care about, we all come to work every day. We all do our thing and we all have things we like about our job and things we would just as soon not have about our job. But ultimately, if there's a higher outcome that you're trying to, to get at or that you can see yourself delivering, that's what's really rewarding. And I think that'll keep people, that'll get people's occasional night night or weekend um, to, to go the extra mile. So, and what is creative leadership? Like what, how would you kind of define this idea? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I think, um, you know, if you think about what, what creative means, it, it means maybe thinking about ways to do things that haven't been done before or are unique or different or innovative in some way. And so if you apply, apply that word to leadership, you could certainly see that it's about, you know, how do you lead people, an organization, a company, um, maybe using tools and techniques that haven't been used before or, you know, a new way to approach things. Um, it's about, you know, engaging with people, meeting them where they are and getting the best out of people. Um, and that takes, they're totally, they're, they're different approaches to doing that depending on, you know, what types of people are in the organization. I mean, like I said, I've got a team of data scientists. I've got a team of, you know, brand creatives and, you know, if you start to run personality profiles, you might get very different personality profiles, but you have to get them, you have to get the best out of them and give them bringing their best self to work. And then you have to get them working together. Um, and so making sure that we create a, an environment where all voices are value, valued uh, and all voices can legitimately contribute to the ultimate thing we're trying to create. So I don't know if that's the textbook definition of it, but that's yeah. how I think of it, kind of bringing, bringing unique approaches to leadership. Um, that are ultimately going to help you get, get to your end goal. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's about when, you know, one of the folks on your team brings an idea, um, that is creative that they a have the, um, you know, feel empowered enough to bring that idea to the surface. And then, you know, what happens to that idea? Like, does yeah. it, yeah. does it just go, okay, well, we'll put that in, you know, a Google doc somewhere and, yeah. and, and nobody ever sees it again. Uh, or is it like, Hey, we'll give it a fair shake and see if this is something that we can implement or, or, you know, kind of run down that mental model. What, I mean, what do you do when people bring you this, that sort of stuff? When someone brings an idea that they've been thinking about, I mean, that is one of the, the, seminal moments of any organization's culture, not to like be overly <laughs> dramatic about it, because every leader would say, 
I want my team bringing new ideas. Everyone would say that. Unfortunately, a lot of times when that happens, the response to those ideas, because you know, you're working on a hundred other things, is less than ideal to the person that is coming with such excitement. Um, I, I did hear a, a very simple approach to how to, to how to do that because I'm trying to remember what I'm trying to remember what not to do. I've tried to block that out, but <laughs> we've probably all done what not to do when someone comes with an idea. Yeah, but have you thought about this? Or yeah, but you know the, the yeah, but. Um, but what I've heard the the best thing to do is um, is say is first thing you say is you know what I love about that idea is whatever and I give you some affirmation about bringing the idea and about you know the value and the and the, and the ideas and if there are some shortcomings or some things that the person has to go back and think about the way I've heard it phrased is what I wish is so what I love about your idea is this what I wish is. And then something else, it's something to kind of build on top of the idea rather than, you know, the word, but, and, and other, you know, yeah, you know, and it just kind of shuts it down and, and it, and it, it kind of deflates the person. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's the yes. And right. It's, it's yes like, and exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and then some of those ideas, like, I'm sure, I don't know if you remember how you became the, you know, sponsor of the, uh, WRO, but like, I'm sure that at some point someone brought that idea to the table and said, Hey, this would be pretty cool to do. Um, you know, this is fits, you know, it's in line with our values. It's in line with how we view the world. Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and oh, by the way, now we've got a few people working on that project and try to give them as much support, but also as much free reign to kind of get creative with it. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a project that does have some passionate people within our organization working on. So, and then another one, um, is that you're working with shared studios. Can you explain that to the listeners? Yeah. Shared studios, uh, is a really cool organization. Um, I probably came across them about a year ago and, um, it actually started as a public art project where they put large, um, I'll describe it as a large shipping container. If you can imagine one of those long shipping containers, a connex for all my friends in the military. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, and they put one, I, I want to say it was in central park, but that may not have been the first one, but they put it uh, in two locations basically. And the idea was they would open the doors, to these things you'd walk in at the, at one end of them, there was a screen. And on the other end was the person in the other container somewhere else in the world. And, and it started with the notion that we're going to connect people, eliminate distance, eliminate difference. And you're just going to sit down and have a conversation with someone that may be from a completely different part of the world, a completely different walk of life, a completely different set of perspectives than you have. So that was the initial thing. And when I saw that, you know, Juniper has a mission, uh, was founded on a mission that is connect everything, empower everyone. That was Juniper's mission. Mm -hmm. And we of course are in the business of getting people connected through the network and making sure those connections are great and secure and all of those things from a technology perspective. These people were doing it from a human perspective, but the synergies of our two missions were quite clear to me. Um, and so started talking with them and ultimately became their technology provider um, to make sure that those connections that they have are, are secure and high, high you know, quality and all that stuff. But they now have over 50 of these portals and they're everywhere from refugee camps to public parks, to universities. They've been at the UN. They've had, you know, Barack Obama in their portal. They've, they've reached a lot of places that, you know, Juniper may or may not show up. So I thought from a brand reach perspective, they were showing up in some interesting places, but from a shared mission perspective, uh, there was nothing that I've found that was as exciting and as, as, as close to our mission, but in a different way than ours. So now we actually have one of those portals at our headquarters here um, in Sunnyvale, California. 
Um, and we've had some really amazing conversations with people from all over the world from, you know, how do people innovate and, you know, um, do hackathons in Nairobi to how do you make the perfect margarita with guys in Mexico city? It's, <laughs> it's literally that gamut. So there's some business stuff. There's some, a lot of fun stuff. And this isn't a, this isn't necessarily gonna, um, in itself have Juniper sell more stuff, but what it does do is it gives people here within the company, an opportunity to expand their, their thinking with people from all over the world. That's going to make for better, happier employees with broader perspectives, which ultimately ought to lead to the innovations, the breakthrough innovations that we're trying to create on a daily basis. Well, and I think that it's something that, you know, inherently, you know, connects people and is marketing. And it's not just, you know, a set of advertising or a set of events or, or whatever, not that that stuff isn't important, but it positions you as someone who, you know, is actually doing the work that it takes to connect people. Yeah. Um, and that's harder yeah. to do, yeah, you absolutely. know, and it's, you know, probably, uh, or potentially more, um, more cost prohibitive at times. But I, what I love about the story is, uh, is that you found a partner that did something really well and you essentially said, yes, and we'll add this additional component to it and we'll help, help support and underwrite that work. Absolutely. And I think that that's like truly marketing at its best where, you know, all of it's, it's naive to think that all the best ideas, you know, your team is going to create, but your team has to be sensors to good ideas that are happening out in the world. And like, what a, what a cool way to have an impact to see something like that and say, okay, let's, let's make a difference. Yeah. And we've gotten creative. I mean, we've used them. We just came off of having our uh, last week. In fact, I was in um, Europe. We did our European uh, annual customer meeting. Uh, we were in Vegas doing it in the U S a month prior to that. And we had these portals there just as a nice uh, enrichment for the experience of our, of the attendees of our customers and partners who were there. Um, but also, as you say, as a physical manifestation of our mission. So there's just a great tie in there, um, along with being, you know, some fun. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of, we did a, um, we did an episode of marketing trends with, um, with a bunch of, uh, uh, really cool, CMOs that were in Israel. Um, and it was kind of this like, you know, fun thing where we're doing it over, um, for all of our listeners, if you haven't checked out that episode, go back. It's, it's really good. Um, <laughs> but it was just this kind of fun thing because just, you know, having the video chat of all of them crammed in a, in a space in, in Israel and, and us, um, you know, sitting in multiple different locations, producer Ben and I were in separate locations at the time. And it's just like being very purposeful and trying to make sure that experiences like that happen. And then, you know, with the power of technology, it goes to, you know, our whole audience, we have a hundred and, you know, or listeners in 130 plus countries. Like, I just think that you have to be purposeful and try to make things like that happen. Otherwise they won't happen. Yeah. It's just easy to get caught up in the day to day and, and, and those additional things don't happen. Yeah. Or just buy more ads or, you know, do more, whatever. Um, that's really cool. So how did you, and did you just come across that or? Um, yeah, I, I was, I'm involved in an organization and they were going to come and present to that organization. And I heard about that, but before they came and presented, cause it's an organization with other marketing leaders, I actually co- reached out to them directly. Cause I wanted to pounce on it in case someone else wanted to steal <laughs> the idea. Oh, there you so, go. Uh, so I was kind of first mover and, uh, but it, it, there was, there's a lot of synergy in how we think and how they think. And, and, and like you said, we were able to bring some technology to help them achieve their mission. And they were able to bring, I think some you know, that, that uh, set of experiences that we can point to our mission and say, this is exactly what we're talking about. When people get connected, 
you know, great empowerment uh, happens or can happen and innovation happens when new ideas come together. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's been great for both, uh, both organizations. So we've talked a little bit about Juniper networks, um, but I want to talk about your network uh, a little bit here. So you've, you've done some, some stints at some, you know, world recognizable brands like Verizon and PwC. Um, and then obviously now at Juniper, how do you view like your network and looking at, you know, other leaders and other marketing leaders and like bouncing ideas off those folks, uh, or maybe drawing from some of those experiences of, of early days marketing with Verizon? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, as you said earlier, you, you know, no one has the corner on good ideas and, and I will shame, shamelessly, um, borrow from someone who, you know, does something successful. And if, if I think that that can work for us, or I think we can riff off of that and do something, um, absolutely. And so some of the most, you know, the most valuable conversations I can have are with other CMOs, um, you know, sometimes from very different industries, but sometimes there's a spark of information, um, that you might say, you know, or, or maybe, maybe I'm having a challenge and I can reach out to those folks as well and say, you know, have you, have you encountered this? What, what have you done? Um, so that's certainly one part of the network. The other thing I got involved in a couple of years ago, which is particularly interesting, and maybe this is fortunate because of where I'm located, um, in, in Silicon Valley, but I've got on this, the advisory board of a, of a venture fund Oh yeah, that specifically is focused on almost, almost exclusively like marketing, um, or, or maybe sales and engagement uh, technologies and startups. And so just going, I, I think it's every six months or so, we have a, a, a meeting where they have a bunch of startups come in and, and pitch. And that helps in two ways. For them, they have a group of CMOs who are sitting there giving them feedback, which for them is quite valuable, yeah. um, or at least hopefully is. Uh, but then for us, you know, for me, it's, it's really good to be able to look around corners and see some of those things that are coming up uh, that... Um, might be interesting for us to adopt or just might be interesting for us to be aware of as we're thinking about what state-of-the-art marketing looks like three to five years from now. Um, so that's been a really interesting kind of separate type of uh, network to, to get involved in. Yeah, I love that. I mean, we we usually ask um, on the show, you know, where do you seek innovation? I think, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the best CMOs out there are just constantly looking um, at where innovation and is happening. I think that's a great way. I mean, I think it's an amazing advice for for any CMO um, to be an advisor for some sort of VC fund to just help look at deal, deal flow because you get to see, you know, the latest and greatest and things like that. And like you said, it adds huge value. And then also working with a startup, getting first access to those tools and things like that. Usually you can negotiate something pretty favorable for them and pretty favorable for you. Well, that's all after every one of these meetings, it's always, you know, which ones do you want to reach out to and follow up with? Um, the, the VC firm takes a, a two question poll. One is, who do you want, who would you work with? You know, who has relevance for you? And then who would you invest in? Cause they're trying to figure out, you know, which ones they should place bets with. And if they get a room full of CMOs saying invest in that, that's a pretty good uh, indicator for them. I would be, I, I should have brought this up at the beginning at the top. Um, but so you were also recognized as uh, the top CMO by Silicon Valley Business Journal. Uh, is that right? Uh, yeah, that was actually, that was a lot of fun. It was a couple of weeks ago, actually, that came out. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So tell me about this. This is where we're with an award winner here. So what, um, <laughs> what, what was that like? And, uh, you know, we know, uh, we know Silicon Valley Business Journal well, that they're awesome awesome publication. So, yeah, I mean, like it was, it was quite an honor and I I feel like it was an honor that was reflective of all the stuff that our team has been able to accomplish this past year. Um, and 
yeah, they do a, a set of awards. I, I got the CMO award and then they recognize, I think, CEOs and CFOs in Silicon Valley as well. And so it was just what I ended up talking with them about was, was a lot of what we've been talking about around, you know, how do we be smarter marketers that can drive growth for the business? Um, you know, again, in Silicon Valley, if you're talking about how you're harnessing data, all of that is quite valuable. The other thing I mentioned to them um, is it can be perceived as lonely to be a marketer in Silicon Valley. Sure. Because, you know, this, this is the land of technology. And, you know, a lot of these companies are so focused on the product, on the technology, you know, and maybe have less of an appreciation for marketing. But what I've shared with them is, you know, I, I believe that customer experience is the new product. Yeah. You know, the days of, sure, if you're going into a completely white, new white space, maybe for a little while, the product um, will be the thing. But all markets mature. And when markets mature, products start to look somewhat similar and you can't as easily differentiate there. But how you engage with your customers is, I think, the new way the companies differentiate. And so what better organization in, in a world where customer experience is the new product to, you know, to be a part of than marketing, because we are outside in focus, we are connected to customers and we can feed that back in to the organization so that we are investing as much in customer experience as we are in the new widget or the new, uh, you know, the new product or technology. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like if you build your marketing strategy on products and features, you're uh, short-lived. Yeah, yeah. It'll be short-lived. Um, I, it seems like you are collecting insights and like bringing those to the board, bringing this to the, your leadership team, things that, you know, we, we talk about on the show of the best CMOs uh, or the folks that are the most successful are actually providing insights yep. to the leadership team about the customer. What are some of those conversations like, or how do you kind of position that information? Yeah, I'll give you kind of the mechanics of it, then I'll share share a story. Yeah. Um, the mechanics of it are, we've created a, a number of different listening posts. Um, and, and I think that is extremely important for marketing. Some of these things could sit in other organizations, but we've kind of built them and have kind of taken the mantle of some of them for Juniper. Um, for instance, we've created um, uh, something we call the Innovator Circle. And it is a, think of it kind of like a virtual focus group, but it's an always on community where we can poll and we've, we've engaged with our community. It's, you know, 800 or a thousand of our, our, our customers and some of our uh, business partners. And basically we can test product direction. We can test marketing, you know, like, does this value proposition resonate with you? We've used it to inform our strategy. We've used it even to validate some um, M&A candidates. So, I mean, we, we are the plat, we've created the platform to get that level of insight and to do it in a structured way and to bring that back into the business. So that's one example. We, we run our annual customer satisfaction survey. You know, again, that could be run by anybody, but we run it so that we are kind of the source of assimilating this data and then providing insights back into the business. So a couple of years ago, um, I was having a conversation with our CEO and, and he said something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't think that our why Juniper's story is as strong or compelling as it could be. Uh, or at least that was my interpretation. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something to that effect. Yeah. Um, and, and it is true. Sometimes we fall into the trap of, you know, when we're talking about our security solutions or we're talking about our cloud solutions. We can talk all day long about the solutions and the technology, but, but why should someone even be talking to Juniper? If, if I'm walking into someone that has no business relationship with us, why should I be doing that? Um, 
And so I took that as a personal challenge, of course, um, but then also kicked off a body of work within the company. What I didn't want to do is come up with the next marketing tagline, like, oh, work with us like this, because then that would be good for about six months. And then we'd be on to the next thing. I wanted something to be durable, but and I wanted it to be connected to the strategy and and really become the true north for the company. So we kicked off this body of work where essentially worked with our executive leadership team, worked with a number of our sales teams because they're the ones out there talking to customers every day, figuring out what works, what doesn't when you have those conversations um, and, uh, and did a little bit of external listening as well. And so essentially came up with what we thought the biggest value that we can bring to companies today. And it's centered around, you know, all, all companies are dealing in a, in a multi-cloud world. They're dealing with Amazon and Google and all these cloud companies and they're building their own infrastructure. And while the promise of those investments has been more agility or, or lower cost, what it's really done is it's created a massive amount of complexity for our customers. Yep. And so what we determined our true North was and where we could add significant value was to deliver simplicity with our world-class engineering organization. And so that eventually, I mean, didn't get articulated in that way at first. It was a whole host of different inputs and ideas, but it crystallized into this notion that we engineer simplicity for our customers. That became, it did happen to become a tagline. And it's one that I can uh, proudly say two years later is still in place. So that means it hit the mark, but more than that, and, and much more than that, it became the strategy for the company. So yeah. we started talking about it in leadership meetings. We talked about how different organizations across the company are working to deliver simplicity for our customers. And so it really became an internal rallying cry. And, and like I said, true North, in addition to being then uh, played out as a marketing initiative. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that when you have something like that, then you can go back and measure it. It's like, you can go back and ask your customers, like, is life more simple after yeah. you, you started working we with Juniper? Exactly right. I mean, every six months or so we, we kind of do polling and tracking. Um, and you know, one is how we articulate that. Is it relevant to you? Is it compelling to you? So first of all, is the notion still valid? And then are we backing it up? And, and sometimes you have a hard time as a marketer quantifying brand related attributes. Totally. Um, like I said earlier, you can, you can easily quantify. I give you a lead, you work the lead business closes or it doesn't, you know, how much pipeline have I created? How much, how much revenue have I created? That's the easy part, but my brand investments, what has that done? And so we do track those, those metrics of, is it compelling? Is it relevant? And then how do you rate us versus our competitor on these attributes? And if it's still, and it's, that, that compelling and relevant score is still in the high 80s. So it's still resonating with the major, vast majority of our customers. And we've seen appreciable movement every six months since we kicked this off in those attributes being related to us and us being ahead of our competitors in those attributes. So there's no better way to say we've made a brand investment. It's still relevant to our customers and we're, we're moving the needle with it. Yeah. On the show, we talk about that all the time about, you know, fight where you can win. Like that's, I think it's a big problem with a lot of, you know, marketing folks who are like, Hey, we want to be, you know, the, the platform of agility or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but it's like your customers don't think your product is agile and it probably won't be for two years. Right. So like <laughs> if you're making promises that you can't cash, you're actually going to lose the trust, which is what you were trying to do in the first place yeah. was build trust. And I think that like, you know, kind of, uh, 
letting marketing get in the way of, uh, or letting a slogan get in the way of, of the ground truth is, uh, is ultimately might be more harm than good. I couldn't agree more. And, and it went back to your original point of, you know, you're taking outside in perspectives and data and then informing the company's strategy or actions. And this was a case where, yeah, we started out making sure we had kind of commitment across the leadership team that this was that we believed one, we had, we had the goods today and that this is the direction we want to travel. And then two validated with the market that this was something that was relevant to them. And if we could deliver on this would be of significant value to them. So kind of correlating all of those things to say, this is what we want to go do. I remember, I think it was like pizza hut who had that whole ad campaign where they're basically just like, everyone thinks our pizza tastes like cardboard. <laughs> and they're like, we, we know our pizza tastes like cardboard. We're fixing that. Yeah. And like, blah, 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 blah. Like if you're going to make some sort of fundamental shift of like, Hey, we're going to be this new company. You better acknowledge it. Yeah. Well, I will say this though. I mean, cause it wasn't all kind of, um, rosy in the sense that we, we knew we had some solutions at that time that could deliver on this promise. But we also knew in some of our solution areas, this was a bit of an aspirational sure. statement, but honestly, I'd say if you have, if you have commitment that this is the vision and strategy of the company and you have, you do have to have some, some goods to back it up when you come out with it or else people will dismiss it, but it's actually okay to be aspirational. And that actually makes it a little bit longer lived as you continue to knock down wins and deliver on the promise then it just, it just bolsters uh, the credibility of what you're trying to do. All right, let's get into lightning rounds. These questions are fast and easy, just like B2B marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Fast and easy questions, lightning round style. Mike, right. are you ready? I think so. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? I have too many apps on my phone. That's the problem. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what the most fun is. The most fun is my university of Virginia sports app because we are the reigning national champions and basket men's basketball. Um, and we're going to the orange bowl in a few weeks. So of late, it's been good to be a UVA sports fan. Favorite thing to cook or eat. Uh, I do the glory thing, glory meals uh, when I cook. So it's breakfasts and desserts. So beignets, fritters, the stuff that everyone loves to eat. And, you know, I don't do the, the, uh, the, the, the drudgery type of meals. Hidden talent or passion. I love playing tennis and I love drinking wine. Not that hidden though. I'm pretty overt about both of them. <laughs> yeah. Not together, <laughs> just separate. Well, actually that's when it becomes really fun, but generally not together. No. Best advice for a first time CMO. Well, I'll speak for a first time B2B CMO. Uh, might be, it's a little different. I think if you're in B2C, but in B2B, you have to be highly aligned with your sales leadership team. Um, ultimately, you know, if you're going off in one direction and sales is going in the other direction or you not, one doesn't recognize the value of the other, you're, you're doomed to fail or at least not recognize the full potential of what you're trying to do in marketing. You have to be fully aligned with sales. And if what you're doing doesn't accrue to the benefit of sales, why are you doing it? What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Would you like more funding? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could give you more funding. I, at this time, you know, I, I'm a little tapped. Um, Mike, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for, for stopping by. Any final final thoughts, thing to, things to plug? Well, look, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I, I really appreciate the work that you guys do and kind of fostering this community of marketers. Because I think, like I said earlier, we can learn a lot from each other, from similar businesses, different businesses. Um, and marketing is moving fast and marketing is adding more and more value every day as things are more digital. So we got to, we got to keep ahead of the curve and, 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 and listening and learning to, to, uh, the work that you guys put together is really valuable. So thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. Take care. 
Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.